Welcome back, everybody, to Opening Up, Narrowing Down. I am Mr. Thurston, and here to welcome you to this uh, podcast experiment designed to engage and connect the students of Woodburn High School Theater, but also artists of all types from all around who are interested in creating art that matters, uh, fostering healthy communities, and harnessing the power of storytelling. Opening up for us here today, uh, you might uh, recognize the last name, Vike and Vicky Thurston. And yes, they are my aunt and, unc- aunt and uncle. And uh, interestingly, I d- didn't really know them growing up. They they lived on the East Coast and we of course grew up on the West Coast. And um, I think the last time we were in the same room was uh, at my wedding, which was almost 10 years ago. But uh, thanks to the power of social media, I've been able to reconnect with them a little bit and observe from afar their art making. Vike, my uncle Vike, is a concert pianist and um, he's been able to use YouTube and other platforms to spread hope during this pandemic uh, through recordings of music. And my Aunt Vicky is a visual artist, a painter, and a photographer. And she has um, come up with this project where she's used art um, her chalk art specifically to to create art um, on pavement uh, for for family gatherings, little birthday parties, and social distance art. Um, and in exchange, people have made donations to food banks and other uh, nonprofit organizations. Both Vike and Vicky are passionate about art um, and using art as a, a pathway for generosity. Um, but they have this interesting story of of kind of um, learning how art fits in their identity, learning how to balance art and, and work and, and uh, the practical demands of life, and really uh, digging into this concept of how pursuing art can truly feed your soul. When I was seven years old, uh, some people moved away that didn't want to take their piano with them, so it ended up in our basement. and. Um, and I was curious and my, my parents thought, well, he could take piano lessons. And, and I did. And, um, and I, I had enough interest to keep going. I, I think I was like any kid where sometimes you don't want to practice. But, but early on, I think I, I was just enough interested. And then with the, the songs they start you on are pretty dumb or like nursery rhymes and stuff like that. But I remember one day there was a piece where basically they took a simplified version of something like Beethoven or a real classical composer. And I could instantly tell, oh, this is real music or what's, what spoke to me as real, real yes. music. And then I was fortunate with teachers. Uh, when we moved to uh, Denver, I had a teacher who had her own orchestra and had studied with some really great people and um, very serious about classical music. And I, I kind of caught her spirit with that. And, um, and I, I would just emphasize, for me, it was classical music. That's, that's what spoke to me. So I, it, it touched something in, inside of me that was motivating. So I think for any artist in any medium, it's something, there's a spark, there's something that initially speaks to you about that medium or particular artists or, um, 
So anyway, I was hooked on classical music, basically. And then by the time I was in high school, even with homework and sometimes even basketball practice, I'd still practice three or four hours a night because I was so motivated to, to play what sounded so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, performing as a classical artist, the creativity, you know, it's not like jazz. I mean, all the notes are written down, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the thing is, um, the music can, can go with a multitude of different interpretations. For example, YouTube is so great now. I, I might be playing a sonata by Beethoven. I can listen to 10 different performances of great pianists, each one of them with, a, we call it a different interpretation of that material. So, so I'm taking this all in, but I'm, I'm, I'm eventually working toward my own interpretation, my take on this great piece of music. And that's where the creativity comes in. So. How, how do you decide? How do you make it your own? Well, the, 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 fir- the first decisions are around what, what pieces to play, right? You know, and, and it's, it's sort of like dating. Um, you, you go out on a date with a piece, you get to know it a little bit, and you think, oh, maybe not. And then, but then uh, some pieces just grab you and hold on, so you're willing to spend get married, so to speak, you know, spend two or three years with one piece in some cases, just to get it to where you want it, want it to be. Um, so, and, and how does it, how do you make it your own? Part of it is just sort of conquering the technical difficulties to the point where you have freedom. Um, you have enough control and freedom of expression that you, things, to me, things start, um, just coming up from within somewhere it's a mysterious thing right i think it's a spiritual thing personally but uh things if the music is really good and speaks to me then things can come up for me that i can then learn to express out into the world vicky talk about um just your your journey with creativity and and visual arts uh when did when and how did that happen what did that look like for you well i think i first really got involved or interested in art uh, when i was about 14. i had a teacher in middle school um seventh grade starting seventh grade i think it was that just was really influential me he he was um he was my art teacher and and he broke the rules he he wasn't like a regular teacher he uh i mean he broke the rules in the sense that we didn't have like assignments we didn't have you know book a a textbook we had to go through or anything he was just all about doing the art and um, and he just encouraged me, you know, like I would have doodles on my notebook or something and he'd write something on it. Oh, this is great. And, you know, most people are going to look at it and say, that's really weird. But the fact that he saw something there, I think, encouraged me. Um, and then, um, so I just got more and more interested in art. I almost went to art school from high school 
but then I did a about face kind of and went to the Grace College at Bible School in Indiana. Um, and I had art was my minor there, but they didn't have really a, a big art program. So I kept being interested and I took classes on and off even after high school. I took some art classes there, but I didn't really get back into doing any art on a regular basis. Let's see. Well, then we, we got married and I was raising babies and yep. there's not much time to do actual any visual art, you know, like painting or um well, may, mainly painting, I guess, would have been the thing I would have done. But I found ways to be creative, like in decorating the house. And, um, you know, I found I that really was kind of a little bit of an outlet mm -hmm. to do that. And um, so then when the kids got older, let's see, somewhere when, like the youngest one, when Tyler was going off to uh, school, finally, I think. I started, eventually I started taking some photography classes um, at the community colleges and also took an acrylic class. I started taking a, a class from the, the art council with a resident artist in that same time period. And um, he was very, well, I still take from him. I've been taking from the same uh, uh, resident artist for, I don't know, 25 years or something. <laughs> I still feel like even at 66, I'm trying to find my own artistic voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I go back and forth between, I can, I can paint something and it'll look almost photographic. And I paint the things I wanna paint that are beautiful. I kind of go get between beautiful scenes and landscapes and stuff like that, or something more symbolic. Like I have at times when I feel there's a big transition in my life or there's been some big event, uh, sometimes negative, sometimes positive. It'll, it'll be visual in my mind how to represent that. And, um, and I think that's something I've had from the early days of middle yep. school that I'll, I'll represent it in a visual sense in my mind whatever the emotion or the event yeah for example um and so then i feel like i'm getting more to my true voice mm. i've got this and so i end up painting something that is sort of realistic i mean the figures or the rocks or whatever's in it but they might be in an unnatural or fan fantasy type setting. <laughs> yeah, almost everyone that I've talked to with this project has talked about like the vulnerability piece and there are different types of artists. Um, and then you know, this connection of like the more personal, the more, um, yeah, the more personal something is in your art making, the more vulnerable it is. And just to- Yeah, it's scary. I thought I was gonna be an artist at some point, you know? Yeah kids and all that stuff. And so anyway, some point in there when the kids were, uh, I really wasn't doing much art yet and the kids were still growing up. Um, I had this, this dream that woke me up. It was 
one of those, it wasn't really a night, well, sort of was a nightmare. Anyway, I, the, the, um, the dream starts here on, on this hill, this grassy hill. I don't know, off in the distance, there's, there's like a school or something and some, I had the idea somehow that uh, I was going to go to, I can't even remember it hardly now. Yeah. I was going to go to art school yeah. and um, somehow the, and the dream, the, the dream, this old boyfriend of mine walks up to me, which seemed unrelated to art school, of course, although he had taken me to see one once. Anyway, this old boyfriend had walked up to me on the hill and he, something about, he was asking me if, if I loved him or something. I didn't hear his question really, but I reached out to him and started to say, of course, I love you. And he pulled out a knife and stabbed me. <laughs> and then in the, the voiceover that shows up in dreams, yes. so, <laughs> the voiceover said, there went your art career. Wow. No way. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that was when you wake up from and you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> the power, like that powerful, like inner voice of self-doubt, like it's, it's yeah. Yeah. powerful. Yeah. There was something about that that really kind of just like, I, it seemed like a wake up call from God for me. Yeah. I've made you for certain things. Mm -hmm. Are you going to follow it or not? <laughs> and then I've had, I've had other dreams that I've eventually realized it was about not taking care of my creativity, my art, this yeah. core thing inside of me that I haven't taken, mm -hmm. like a horse in the garage that I haven't fed for two weeks or something, you know, and, and I'll wake up, oh, you know, the whole struggle of why can't I just go out of the garage and feed the poor thing? Right. And, you know, it's just those, those kind of things that, so I still struggle to get to it because I think I'm kind of torn between the practical and the got to get it done. And, uh, and I don't know how, if this is partially a female thing of the, uh, or my personality in that. Everything that I'm responsible has to be done first oh, before yeah. I can go creative. Yeah. I got to take care of the kids first. I got to make dinner first. I got to get to the grocery. I got to do the laundry. Yep. I mean, and I don't know if, if men find that, do that same, they might, I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying that for me, those seem like female things that somehow I got to take care of everybody and everything else first. Right. And I don't have a right to do mm. the thing that for me, or I was designed to do at some core level. Right. Um, yeah. There's I'm still so trying to work that out. Yeah. There's so many reasons not to make and so many pressures. Um, and I think, I think there's like a societal thing of like, well, what's valuable? Like it's, it's valuable to provide for your family, right? You can point to, you know, how, how that played out and how that was beneficial to other people and and a lot of society would say is is your art making valuable like what's the value there like um and so we have this 
false sense How of value. How do you measure that? Yeah, you can't, you can't measure it. Right. Isn't it, if it's valuable to me, isn't that enough? I don't know, Caleb, if you have uh, students who are on the cusp of decisions about how serious they're into art and so on. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what we're touching on right now is so important in terms of the value. I, um, because I think first, first it, it feeds your own soul in some way. It feeds, feeds a need that goes beyond survival and work and repu even reputation. And, uh, and um, it's life-giving to the artist, but hopefully even life-giving to the, the recipients of the art. And, and uh, so I, I, think, I think people have to have a vision of that for it to take hold and take root and grow and, and withstand the other pressures that Vicky's talking about, you know, and responsibilities and so on. Yeah. I, I was gonna mention also a, um, it wasn't a dream, it was almost a waking dream, but it was, there was a point in my life where um, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing as much classical piano music. I was doing a lot of church work and, and that kind of music. Uh, which I didn't really care for as much, but it seemed like I should be, you know, a thing to do. But also, it came at a time when uh, a good friend of mine went through a pastoral counseling program. And the way he talked about it, it was so cool um, that I ended up applying. This was a master's in pastoral counseling. I was so interested in it, I applied and got accepted and was about to go into the program. But right before this was to start, I went, I went to the beach and um, just to sort of, sort of weigh pros and cons of, is this the right decision? So I'm sitting in a chair in front of the ocean and I, you know, I'm going to rationally weigh this out. That went out the window within five minutes. Yeah. Because what came surging up for me was you're an idiot. <laughs> Basically, in the short, in the short version. Yeah. In other, in other words, um, and it was as if there were this, this is what was weird and sort of a waking dream, as if there was a, a hand and some fingers poking up from the sand that it, and this body had been buried. Well, what had been buried was the, the creativity and the art around classical music for me. And um, and uh, it it came forth so strongly. It was, you know, I went I went back and I and I contacted people. I said, sorry, I can't be in this program. And from that time forward, I was much more serious about um, my music. And um, you know, to the point today where I'm putting out a lot of. I think one of the things you mentioned in your email was. How, how working in the pandemic, yeah. I feel like I'm reaching a lot more people because of the pandemic almost than I was prior to it. Mm -hmm. Because um, if it sort of forced me to uh, do some recording and, and posting on YouTube and explore the technology around, there's a really cool mic you can put in an iPhone and an app that, you know, you can set your levels and directionality and so on. And, uh, so I learned how to do that and how to post on YouTube and 
I even, even from my wife's persuasion, <laughs> finally got on Facebook. Yeah, well, that's part of where the idea of reaching out to you folks was um, just seeing your your posts during the pandemic and how you were you're really using art to serve people and to offer hope and perspective and um vicky you had you had a a project where you were kind of tangibly serving uh the chalk drawing yes kids can you talk about about that it was i loved it (laughs) the spring that really in a in some ways saved my sanity Mm. (laughs) i mean i would rather go outside and do that and then the just the fun of it and the ease of it too i don't know it was just and the fact that some people were benefiting from it for the food bank that people would donate you know yeah i always tell i tell my students like um theater and i think this really applies to any kind of art uh but i tell them theater theater is inherently an act of generosity Right, it's not it's not theater until we give it away, and we we you know we we trust <laughs> someone else with it and we we let go of it. Um, and I think yeah. you both you both are engaging in that in ways that are maybe new and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit uncomfortable, but uh, it's been really fun to like watch from afar. Well, good. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, you never know who's watching from afar. You never know. You never know some of the repercussions. So. Final, final questions, we kind of wrap things up, and that is what, what advice would you give to young people um, who, uh, who want to be creative, who want to make art today or make music? So I, th- I think one thing is to seek out a master, so to speak, of whatever art or, or media that you are interested in I mean, it provides a lot of, one thing is, is inspiration to see what you're, what you're shooting toward in that person's work. Right. But also so much, so much to learn and um, taking advantage of the, the road that person's already traveled creatively. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing I I think is um, to have, at least a friend, but friends that support you or that, you know, that find it equally compelling, whatever art that you're into. Um, Like I had, I had a friend in high school that would listen for hours, just I play, you know, and that was so supportive. Um, And I, I think you need, you need that because of, we were talking earlier about people that are so I wonder if you're odd or they don't get what you're doing. Um, that, that can be hard. You can feel lonely mm-hmm. pursuing, pursuing art. So if you could find someone that's, that's into what you're into, uh, I think that's really important. I think part of my issue too, I think there's a personality thing maybe that, makes some more different I have this desire to do art but I'm an extrovert and so painting in a studio by myself Uh, is I can do it for a while but then I gotta talk to somebody I gotta you know whereas if I can 
he's more introverted and so I don't know if that's part of it but he can play for hours oh, yeah. and he doesn't need to talk to anybody yeah. so I think if you're aware of those things maybe that would help and that what he was saying about having a, a group of people that's probably why I go to this class mm. is that there's 10 other or nine other artists about mm. at the same level as me that this art mentor teaches and so there's there's a an energy between us even though we don't socialize really outside of the class very much but there's a camaraderie there yeah we know what the other one is about i, w I wanted to say something too while we're, we touched on uh, whether you're doing it for a living or not um, i think i think it's a lot like uh you know, say kids play basketball in high school or football, and they, they have an aspiration to be a professional basketball player, a professional football player. We know that only a very tiny percent of those kids will actually be able to do that. Right. So, and what I would say around that is that's, it's great for people that can make it, but most can't, but that doesn't, it's not either or, it doesn't minimize what you can do with your art. Um, because I, for example, I've, I know, uh, you know, it's like 10 of us who are pianists that, that put on programs and, and uh, we're not making money at it. We're, it's the generosity, like you said earlier, we just, we just offer it. And there's a lot of meaning in that. So I think, I think uh, high school kids that are contemplating being, you can be you can be very serious about art and set aside some time in your life for it with some supportive, like-minded people, and it can be very meaningful short of having it become a profession. Right. I think that's important to to realize. That's yeah. Just because I'm not going to make my living in it doesn't mean it can't be very important and meaningful. Right. Yes. Yeah, and you both you both had your own career paths outside of the arts and success yeah. in, in those areas and yeah yeah i think that's a big reason why i went to pivoted to education was because i i saw all these you know i was on this track to be a professional theater maker and uh i just saw all these people burning out and and um mm -hmm. just uh blowing through relationships and um not healthy and and mm -hmm. i thought i want a family i want you know something sustainable yeah for my family and and i i mean teaching is inherently creative for me and it's just it's been a fantastic fit mm. but i had i had to i had to kind of adjust my mindset and and not say one is better than the other you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that that's the thing yeah. that was smart caleb <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I feel like i've made the right choice <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> Thanks again, Vike and Vicky, for coming on and uh, sharing the bits of your story with us. Uh, if you're listening and you have thoughts about that that balance of finding value in your art versus your work, or or how it feeds your soul, what is it? What does it mean to take the next step? What does it mean to find a mentor? To find your your band of people to support you? If you're thinking about that, you have questions, you have stories of your own, we'd love to hear them. Uh, drop us a voice message or email, and we'll continue the conversation. As we wrap up, I thought it was only appropriate to end with uh, some music. 
So this is um, uh, what my Uncle Vike is calling a musical offering in the time of pandemic. And here he plays a piano piece called The Girl with the Flaxen Hair. 